Hello and welcome back to Site School, the podcast. This is a podcast that is here to help you learn, grow, and earn from your website. And I am so excited that you've joined me for this interview. This is the first interview on the podcast. This is episode two, and I'm chatting with Danielle Desir, who I have known for years. Now, I want to put a couple caveats before we launch right into the podcast, because this is actually an interview I recorded back in 2021 when I thought I would launch the podcast the first, second, third time. I'm not really sure. And, um, I just wanted to give a little caveat there because a couple things are going to be different than you might be used to if you've listened to other episodes. Um, First of all, Danielle has approved that I can release this now. It's all still super evergreen. I took so many notes while listening and editing this podcast for you. Uh, Things I've learned that I should have learned a year ago when I did this interview and still am not doing. So hopefully you'll find it helpful. But that also means that it is not up to the standard of quality that I typically have, especially in terms of the audio quality. So in particular, my audio track is not super great and I apologize for that, but hopefully you're not listening for me, you're listening for Danielle and her advice. Additionally, uh, there's some differences. Uh, Danielle was at a very different stage in her career than she is now, so I encourage you to go check her out. You can find all her information in the show notes, see what she's up to. Uh, Spoiler, she's got a little bundle of joy now, so very different than it was when we talked back in mid-2021. So I hope you'll stick around and enjoy this interview. This is the first of many interviews where I'm bringing in experts on those topics we cover here on Site School, like SEO, email marketing, affiliate marketing, advertising, and in the case of Danielle, products and services. If you have needed to come up with your first product or you just need a new idea, Danielle has some incredible wisdom and I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, hello, and welcome to Site School. I am so excited because in this episode, I'm talking with Danielle Desir, who I have actually known for five years. Uh, we met back in Philadelphia in 2016. And so as of the time of recording, we just reconnected actually on our little five-year blog house reunion. Uh, We've both been website owners that entire time. And in the meantime, Danielle has done some incredible other projects, which is I've been secretly following and being inspired by. So I'm very excited to have Danielle on for our first interview episode. And Danielle, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit more about your website and we'll get right into the conversation. Sure. So yes, we've been friends for, I can't believe, over five years now. Um, I started the Thought Card six years ago, and originally it was just random thoughts. But over time, I really started to niche down to my passions for personal finance and travel. So my my site really focuses on affordable travel. Um, in the past, it focused on paying off debt, now building wealth. So really following the financial journey and also making sure that travelers are thinking about ways that they can save have wonderful experiences, but really focusing on that financial piece. Three years ago, I launched the Thought Card Podcast, which is an offshoot of the blog, which I think is a really great thing if you have a blog. If, if you want to do podcasting, it could be a good uh, complementary asset to your to your brand. And I've done a lot of other things. So books and memberships and coaching and all of these other things that have come through following my passion. And that is exactly what we're going to dive into today. That is why I thought of you when I decided I wanted to talk to someone who knew products and services, because you've done so many different formats of what people can offer through their website. So uh, just so that we have it on the record, when did you start your web your website? April 2015. Okay. So we had, when we met, you'd been blogging for about a year. And then what strategies have you used in the past to grow and monetize your site? And what do you do now? Yes, I have a list over here. So if I look down, that's why. Um, so for me, I've 
always had a full-time job while building the Thought Card brand. And it's only now, like literally at the time of this recording, I'm leaving corporate in like two weeks. So over the last six years, yes, we're dancing over here. Last six years, I've had a full-time job, which offers unique challenges and constraints. But for me, what was really important was to publish at least one article a week. And that felt really sustainable to me because I was looking forward to sharing one thing a week and not getting overwhelmed by seeing other content creators who do things full time. So that really helped me to be consistent and to continuously grow my site. Also collaborating with others has been really instrumental, especially as a podcaster. I found that if you are guest having guest appearances, it's going to definitely lead to your own podcast growth because now you have a place to send folks to. And most audio listeners will go ahead and listen to other podcasts. That has been really instrumental. Also, writing for industry publications has been really, really important. So making sure that I have an imprint in there or like being able to share my ideas and having that Alliance with these big publications has helped grow my brand. And lastly, Valerie, you know all about this, but learning SEO and really taking advantage of that has been a huge driver for the brand. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not going to dive too much into SEO, but we are going to have, I'm going to chat with some other folks in other interviews. So if you are listening to this episode, you want to know more about SEO, be sure to go check other episodes in the future um, if you've found the back catalog, because that's one of the top things that I recommend people learn. And obviously it's highly important. But Danielle, you, it seems like you're doing it all. Like I publish once a week and I don't have a corporate job. I, it's really, really impressive that you were able to keep that level of consistency up. So tell me, uh, can you share what bracket your traffic falls into right now? And I'll read out some options and you can just tell us which option you fit into. So uh, zero to 10,000 page views per month, 10,000 to 25,000 page views, 25 to 50,000, 50 to 100,000, 100,000 plus. It may be surprising, but I fall within the 10 to 25K uh, page views per month. Yeah. And you've been able to monetize that and make it a sustainable thing such that you're leaping off into the exciting world of self-employment. Welcome. Yes, yes, yes. Super excited. Yes. Yeah. I've been following that on your Instagram stories and it's like, I remember that I, I leapt too. I just leapt. <laughs> it's a very exciting moment. I think it's what a lot of people aim to do. So exciting to be talking with you as you're going through it. <laughs> so here on Site School, we focus on five parts of a formula for building a successful website. As a reminder, those are SEO, email, affiliates, advertising, and products and services. Uh, I invited you on today because I know you're awesome, awesome at creating revenue through your website with products and services. So let's start with products. Uh, I know you have some eBooks on the Thought Card. Can you tell a little bit about them and why you decided to offer eBooks through your site? Yes. So I stumbled into authorship and it's something I definitely wanted to do for a really long time, as most people do. I think like eight out of 10 people want to write a book, they said at some point. But it wasn't until a friend tagged me on Instagram on an opportunity where a small publishing house was looking for authors, travel authors, that I actually was like, oh, I can do this. And I really liked that because it set the stage and I had an assumption that this publishing house knew what they were doing. So it was so much easier to be like, follow the leader versus trying to recreate something on my own. However, since then, I realized that I prefer to self-publish 
And now that I had my, you know, my, my trial period, I kind of knew more of how to go ahead and publish my own books. And when I was thinking about what books to write, it was really about, okay, what is my site known for? What am I known for? And how can I package together a book that furthers that mission? So I would recommend to really look at your core pillars for your site and then focus on writing a book that is in line with it. So you want to make sure, okay, people know you as this and your book matches that, at least for your first couple books, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And remind us, what are the different books that you've written? What are the topics? Yes. So my first book, which was under a small publishing house, was an Iceland travel guide. It's called Iceland Nature Nurture and Adventure. That was like a trial one. But uh, my best-selling book, meaning the one that sells the most, is Affording Travel, which is 100% in line with my affordable travel and personal finance blog and podcast. The third book is traveling with a full-time job. And I was traveling with a full-time job. And a lot of my audience members were dealing with how to do this uh, with limited time constraints. So that was the third book. The fourth book is managing your money as a new homeowner. I was a new homeowner at one point. I knew that there were a lot of challenges. So I wrote a book about my experiences. And then my last book, which I, it was a flop. It was a total failure. It was uh, planning local trips during a pandemic, even though we're yeah. still in a pandemic. Right oh, now. man. Don't remind me. <laughs> Don't remind me. I've gone back into the daily headline checking, which yes. is never a good place to be. Yes. So, okay, we're going to come back to the flop because I think that it's really important to talk about not just the successes and your expertise in these different areas, but also what you've learned when things have not worked quite as well as you'd hoped they would. You said that part of the way you come up with ideas for your books is you look at the structure of your site and your areas of expertise. How do you choose among those which books you're actually going to write? Yes. So partly, I usually try to do a few lives. So I go on live on Instagram and I start talking about the subject area. I do a bit of teaching on Instagram live to see how it feels for me to be teaching this topic and also the reaction of my audience to that topic. And based off of the interaction, if they want more, I'm like, okay, this is now on the wall of potential ideas. I'm actually looking to the right now and there's a bunch of book ideas I have here, but it's really important to really test them out first because you may realize that they may not be as successful in a book format versus other formats. Another thing I look for is a step-by-step framework. So if I can teach folks how to do something from one step to another um, and, and have a transformation, I know, okay, I'm onto something here. Or if it's a question that I get frequently asked. So since I do a ton of podcast interviews, this is like my stomping ground to see what are people tapping me on the shoulder for and asking me. So I make sure if they ever send me questions ahead of time, I put that into like a a big document and I can always comb through them because again, they're looking to me to answer these types of questions. And lastly, This is probably a little like left or controversial, not controversial, but like different from other folks. Um, A lot of people write to market, meaning that they're looking for, okay, what is the market looking for? And I'm going to write something that really tailors to what they're looking for. However, my strategy has been really 
marketing and like looking at things where the market has gaps. So if there's any gaps in the market, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fill that gap. So when I first started with the Fording Travel, I knew not only did I have a framework for that, but when I looked on Amazon, which is one of the uh, most popular marketplaces, there weren't that many books talking about budgeting for travel. They talked about budget travel, but not how to actually save for money. So I was like, fine, I'll fill it in. Um, So those are some of the things that I think about when I'm coming up with ideas for books. Yeah, that's actually really smart. So I have this sticky note just beyond my computer screen that has an ebook idea that I have been kicking around for several months. And I realized I haven't really tested the idea. Um, So it's great that you have some techniques for testing it before, because my next question is, do you have any tips on actually writing the book and, and bringing it to life? I said in my notes, I said from idea to ISBN, which is a kind of catchy little name. If we ever start another podcast together, I think that's what it'll have to be called. Right? Yes. Like, um, so yeah, what tips do you have for actually like writing it? You've got an idea, you know, you want to do it, you've tested it. How do you get it done? So I first do an outlining session. Well, let me backtrack before that. Before I even start writing, I look at a date into the future because I really need to get into the mind frame of writing this book. So I don't just leap into writing books. I'm like, in two months from now, I'm going to write a book. And then I slowly start clearing my calendar and I slowly start thinking about me as an author again. Then I have a day focused only on outlining. For me, I'm more of a plotter versus a pantser, which is like five by the seat of your pants. I'm more of like, I want to follow the roadmap. So I come up with an outline. I look at it a few times and my first week is only devoted to outlining and creating a roadmap for myself. Then I start the writing process. And in the past, I typically did not have a word count goal. It was mostly about consistency. So appearing, you know, coming on the computer and writing, the practice of writing every day was what I was looking for. Some days I went over a thousand. Some days I only had 300, but it didn't matter because I just wanted to make sure I was consistently hopping on the computer and writing. But I think moving forward, now that I'm going to be a full-time entrepreneur, I think I want to do try set like word count goals, but that could be something that you can do as well. And then I would just write until that month is done. So I give myself typically a month to write eBooks. Um, and the reason why is because technically you don't really know if a, a book is going to do well or not. So I just really, truly want to get the information out as quickly as possible with high quality. And of course, thinking about quality, but I'm not going to spend five years writing a book. It's, it doesn't, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So I usually give myself a month, a month and a half. And the last thing I would say is if you do hire an editor, tell your editor when you're going to give them that book, which kind of puts a little fire in you, right? A little fire in your booty. And you're like, okay, I got to get this book to my editor on this date. And yeah, that, that's my writing process. Yeah, that's great. I find that especially having that deadline, even if it's self-imposed of when you're going to deliver, whether it's I have an editor and the editor's expecting it, or I'm just not going to spend more than a month doing this because I don't know how successful it will be. That's super, super smart way to get the project onto your calendar. You know, I'm always in my team of people that I now work with on my various websites. We always have deadlines for everything because it's such an important part of framing your mind to sit down and do the work. So, okay, you're writing books. Some of them are doing well. Some of them are doing, okay, we'll come back to that. And then you decided at one point in this 
in addition to blogging and having a corporate job and a life and buying a house and getting married to start a podcast. Where did that idea come from? Yes. So I've always wanted to start a podcast and I love the show Money Nerds by Whitney Hansen, which is still on today. And one day I woke up after listening to her thousandth episode and I was like, I think I can do this. But then I kind of got a little nervous. Like, I don't think I can do this yet. Uh, I wanted to have a co-host because I thought that I could share the burden of it. I have a partner. Um, I also didn't know the tech side of it. So I really struggled with finding a partner and I kind of let the idea sit. But at some point I was like, you know what? I really do want to start this podcast. And at the same time, I actually created a, a Facebook group called Women of Color Podcasters that had hundreds, if not thousands of women talking about podcasting. So they really pushed me to get started. And I was so nervous that I said, you know what? I'm just going to read out some new blog posts <laughs> that I hadn't published on the blog and that, and with inflections in my voice. And that was how I got started. I started with four episodes since I really wanted to have uh, archive that they can browse through, not just like one episode and that's it. No, you want to have a couple so that they can hit the subscribe button and follow you. And I said, you know what? The easiest thing I could do would be just to have it off of my brand. I can talk about money and travel endlessly. So that's what I did. And it's been, I think the podcast has been one of the most instrumental ways that I've been able to get out there in a way that I don't think the blog allowed me to. Something about the voice, the intimacy, bringing on other people, collaborating with them. It really helped to build my brand and my thought leadership as well. Yeah. And I'll tell you, in my process of launching this podcast, I attended a billion master classes from various podcast teaching people. And they said that the there's like, I don't know, an insane number of blogs and like 2% that that number is the number of podcasts. And so podcasts are also this incredible way to stand out and offer something different through your brand or your personal brand or whatever that might be. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited because you inspired me. I mean, I remember we talked, we spoke in 2018, 2019. Yeah. Some, about, some time before mm -hmm. I started. Yeah. We did like a little jam session together, both working on our personas and who we were targeting and you started and I did not. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> trying to catch up at this point. Um, so talk about your podcast. It is part of the Thought Card brand. Is it monetized? And how did you go about monetizing it? Yes, it is monetized. And I have a list here of ways that for beginners who are thinking about monetizing their podcast, how they can get started. So the easiest low-hanging fruit is going to be affiliates. So not only can you mention the affiliate on the episode, which I do recommend, but each episode should accompany a blog post, which is why if you are a blogger, you are in a great position to be a podcaster because you have all the skills you need when it comes to the backend website stuff. So I make sure that in my show notes, which is aka the blog post, I always include at least three ways I'm monetizing this particular episode. So it could be, let's say, any affiliate programs that were mentioned by the guest. Make sure you ask if they have anything, or it could be Amazon or whatever the case may be. But I always monetize by three ways in each show notes page, affiliates being one of them. Also digital products. So your eBooks, your courses, those can be a great thing to plug in relevant episodes. And lastly, I would say services. 
So one of my biggest freelance writing clients came through an episode. I was just talking about for the new year, I'm writing or freelance writing. And then someone reached out to me and they're like, hey, I was listening to your episode and you, do you do this? Or do you know anyone who does it? And I was like, ooh, lead. This is a lead generation (laughs) at its finest. So if you offer a service, you can definitely use your podcast for that. And then some bonus bonuses as well includes ads. So I would say as you grow in, as a podcaster, reach out to brands and pitch them. Uh, That would be the most profitable way, but you do have some agencies like Podcorn and Pod Page, which is a marketplace that sets you up with different advertising partners. Now, the income is small. It's definitely less than what you would if you kind of pitch your own rates, but I think it's a good example. You can show brands, hey, here's what a pre-roll sounds like. Here's what a post-roll sounds like. So make sure you start. Um, Also, doing these things like talking about affiliates and other things like that is a good way to start because your audience is not going to kind of get used to not having ads, right? They know that, okay, this is a business. We have bills to pay. Give me a second for me to mention the sponsor and it becomes normal. And it's not like abrasive, like when you're way in your catalog. And then the last thing I would say is definitely think about community building and using sites like Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee can be a good way to be like, hey, you love this content. Think about supporting one time or be a continuous member. So those are the five, five ways I would definitely recommend for newbies. And these are all things that I've done personally as well. And for those of you listening, I have got none of those ready for this episode. (laughs) Actually, no, we're going to have show notes. We're going to have, we're going to have some notes um, and I will be sure to include anything that comes up by the end of the conversation that I think is relevant. But also, of course, links to Danielle's website, her podcast, her Instagram, where you can follow along on her stories and get tons of free tips because she's incredible. But I want to wrap something back around real quick for everybody listening. The reason we're talking about Danielle's podcast is because a podcast is this great little hybrid of product and service. So if you think about it, it's, it's a piece of content and it can be monetized which sort of makes it a product, but it also has affiliate opportunities. And then it's also a service. It's something you do where you can monetize it by the time you spend building an audience and then having either advertisers or partners that sponsor you or your audience members that sponsor you, which is basically what a Patreon or a buy me a coffee might be. So though it might seem we've kind of drifted away from the product services that Danielle's an expert in. It's not actually, it's this perfect blend, which is why she's been so successful because it combines both of those things that she does so well. So let's move on out of the product realm, letting podcasts be the bridge into services. And so I know your podcast has also inspired you to start offering services or you were offering services before. Just tell me a little bit about that. What services do you offer? When did you start offering them? Yes. So with the podcast, once I got that first freelance writing client, I was like, ooh, this is interesting. This is a good lead generation for services. Now, as I grew as a podcaster and because I had founded this podcasting community, Women of Color Podcasters, I was in a really good position to be a thought leader, coming up with ideas, using myself as a guinea pig, right? So it took me a really long time. It took me about three years to finally decide to do this, but I've finally claimed myself as a podcast marketing coach. 
And there are a lot of podcast coaches, especially podcast newbie coaches out there. But honestly, I don't like newbie stuff. I love the marketing. I love helping mid-level podcasters. So over the last three years, I've been coming up with a framework. I've been sending out, like sharing little products about marketing, again, testing my ideas along the way while making some money. And now I'm ready to reveal that I am a podcast marketing coach. Now, is it something that I talk about on the podcast? I actually haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but I've been using my social media. I've been using my email list to really mention this service. And the reason why I haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet is because I record episodes out. So I have like a huge archive of episodes that are not in there yet. And I just don't want to just have a random ad about my podcast marketing services. I really want it. Usually what I do is I have an episode, like a life update episode where I say, here's the things that are happening in my life. Here's the new service I provide. So timing is really, really important, but you can still start placing your services in other places. And by the time it comes and circle back in your podcast, some of your followers will already know, oh yeah, she, she has been talking about marketing for a really long time. It makes sense. Yeah. And I am hopeful that eventually I will need your services because I'm still in the newbie category. So listeners, this is your opportunity to help. I need you to go subscribe, leave a rating if you're on Apple Podcasts. You know, we got to plug that in here. Um, Yeah. Help me out because if we can get to growing, I can get Danielle back on here to talk about more about podcasts because I think this is a great opportunity for website owners, especially as you begin to move up in your level of experience and expertise in these other topics we're talking about. So Speaking of them, in the world of products and services, which one do you prefer to offer your audience? I would say my eBooks would be the easiest because it's more passive income. And even though it's a lower price point, but it's more passive. Like I said, if I can mention it on the show, then every day when people are downloading various episodes, there's an opportunity for them to purchase and then buy. Yeah. Good one. I agree. I am definitely more of a product person because it decouples your time and your money. And I think that a lot of, there's a lot of drift back towards services right now in this website owner world. And it's good to have a mix of both, obviously, and it keeps you busy and keeps you engaged in your work. But products are a great opportunity to basically make almost passive income. You still have to market them. You still have to create them in the first place, but they give you the opportunity to have that income without spending time each time you want to earn the income. So what tips do you have for someone who's trying to brainstorm their first product? I generally advise people that they try and create one of four basic types, which is digital books, physical books, digital products, or physical products. And how do they pick which one to create? Yes. I would say first, what do you want to be known for? What do you want attached to your name for the long term as you build your business and brand? That is number one, really important. And then number two, start pinging your audience and asking them what format that they would be interested in consuming your content. Surprisingly, I find out that a lot of people who follow me still really like my blog, even though they know my podcast is out there. But for me, I was like, oh, the podcast would be great for this or something like that. Or or this digital product may be good, but they're like, oh, we really want an audiobook or we really want, you know, a video course. So don't assume that you know the best format for your folks. Ask them. 
to see what would be the best way that they're going to want to consume your information. And then lastly, I would say, what is fun for you? If you know that writing is going to be a chore and it may be easier for you to hop on the microphone and do a video course or a masterclass or a workshop, then do what's easiest and you could always repurpose. You could always start with video and go back to written content. But if you do written content, now you're going to have to recreate the wheel to go to audio or video. So really think about your strengths, what's fun for you. And I think that will be a really good recipe for success. Yeah. Great advice. Uh, and I've seen your polling on Instagram stories. All the time. Fact, you just did it. Yeah. If you are listening, you have social media, like there it is. You have an audience, even if they're just your friends and family. If your friends and family will give you that feedback, you can use it to start informing your ideas about product generation. Same thing for services. How do you brainstorm services and where do you come up with the ideas for what you want to offer? Yes. So going back to video. So when I can, I do a live video and I, again, I start talking about what I potentially would like to offer and, or I may do a mini offer, a free mini offer to kind of see if there's interest. So one of the things I wanted to do for podcasters was like offer a workshop about how to monetize your podcast with a workshop. And I wasn't really sure, like the videos I did, live videos, did they did okay. But then I was like, you know what, let me take it a step further by doing like a three-day challenge or video challenge or something else, a small, a small lead-in. And that way it did okay. I was like, okay, there's no need to, to actually go ahead and actually create this product um, or offer this as a service. So really be willing to try things out, experiment, and know that not everything you have is going to or want to do is going to be a, a good idea. And then when it comes to more services, when it came to starting my coaching program, I was so nervous. I was so nervous to like say I'm a podcast marketing coach. Uh, but it's surprising because there were people in my audience that once I announced it, they were interested. They were in my DMs asking me questions about it. And you have to put yourself out there to actually even see if your idea is viable. Um, and if possible, if you're having a service like a coaching program, hop on the phone with these potential clients and record it too, so that you can learn and see, okay, what are the things that you did right? What are the things that you kind of fumbled a, a little bit? And what are the questions that they asked you? And you could use those questions to now remarket change your sales page, improve your processes. So, so, and again, I'm a new coach, so I'm learning a lot <laughs> about how this works, but those have been super helpful. And they say that, lastly, they say that like getting your first two clients are gonna be the hardest. Uh, and it's, it is true, it is really true. Getting your first two clients is the hardest, but then after that, now you have a framework for getting new leads and getting new clients. So just keep with it and don't give up. Yeah. And the nice thing about services is you can offer a service without actually doing the service. So you can get that feedback. If you offer a service, I mean, I've done it over the years, <laughs> you offer something, nobody buys it. And you're like, okay, we'll just move right on from that one. So let's go back to flops or failures or, you know, when things are just, they don't go as well as we hoped and talk about that. So you mentioned you had an ebook that did not do as well as you'd hoped. I saw that one come out and I was like, I like this idea, 
But I think that the mental hurdle of just travel planning of any kind in the last 18 months has just been, it's been a really high burden. Either you didn't care and you just traveled anyway, or you did care and you weren't traveling. Anyway, talk about how you determined what a failure or miss looked like and what did you do as a result? Yes. So for the book, this was hard. Um, and I don't recommend feeling stuck. So what happened is I, I released a book based off a couple lives that I did lives like IG lives that went really well. And I did my framework, did a couple lives. I was like, okay, I think I have what it takes to write a book. So I started writing a book. I, I was really excited about it. And a couple things I think I did wrong is that the release was too far out. So I think it was like four to five months out and that is like too long. So I now moving forward would pre do pre-orders, maybe like um, a minimum, like a month, like a month or less, like that's it. Um, because if you're doing five, six months for like it, I don't know. I think my audience are like, this is too much. I'm not going to put money now when I'm don't know if I need this in the future. So I think the pre-order time was really helpful to now know. And then, like you said, I just think that folks are not really like they want to travel, but it's of course the panini is really difficult. So for some reason, again, it just didn't work out. I think the psyche and I had had it listed at full price for a really long time. Um, and then I was like, okay, let me kind of tweak the price a bit. I lowered it. I lowered it. I even offered it at 99 cents and still no sales. So I said, okay, this is dead. This is dead in the water and that's okay. Uh, but it, it took me a really long time to mentally get over this hurdle. I'm a new-ish author really new. Um, even though I've written a couple of books, but this is my first failure and I really let it get me down and get me stuck on like, this was bad. And, and I thought like, you're bad, Danielle, which is not true, not true at all. And um, I decided recently, I was like, you know what? The best thing I can do now is offer it as a freebie for my audience because there is a lot of good information here. So I recently offered it as a freebie to my newsletter I'm now going to cut the book up and offer it as a series of blog posts on my website. And I also have like a buy me a coffee community. So what I want to do is read out like an audiobook for that community. So if you see something fails, you can always kind of remix it, switch it up. For me, the free route made the most sense. And actually, people are reading it now. And last thing I want to say is that this is still marketing for my books. Because people who hadn't read any of my books before, they're interested in this topic. They maybe not wanted to pay, but now they're going to be like, I know Danielle's writing style. I am interested in reading her other five books. Yeah, that is so smart. Um, I was thinking as you were speaking that the offering it as a freebie was the way to go. But I didn't even think about the fact that it serves as a proof of concept of your other books. So while people pay with their email right now, one, then you have their email, which is like worth worth way more than 99 cents, actually. Um, and two, you can then show them because they've already received one copy of the book, of a book that you've written, that you have other books and those are valuable for them too. So very, very smart way to repurpose. All that to say, you pretty much can't fail actually at a product unless you just give it up entirely, right? As long as you repurpose it, you're going to be able to find a way to make it work for your business because you sat down and created that product for a reason. It's, it had value. You thought it had value for your audience. Maybe you just didn't get the right format. 
Maybe you didn't get the right price point. Maybe your message isn't quite on. You can always adjust those things. That's the great part about being a site owner, especially if you're literally on your own. You don't have to run it by the boss. You're not in corporate. You're not in corporate anymore, Danielle. You don't have to ask anybody. You just do it. And that's actually really exciting. So, okay, we've got just a couple more questions. First of all, what is the one question you wish you would get asked when you do podcast interviews like this about being a website owner? I wish folks would ask me why I haven't done YouTube yet, right? That would be a trifecta, which has been a big goal of mine, blogging, written content, audio, podcast content, video, YouTube. Why? Why not YouTube? So why not? Oh, I've always wanted to do YouTube. So I, I don't know. I think I struggle with, again, the tech issues, which is like not a good excuse. So I am challenging myself. And I also think it may also be the part of starting over. Like when you have an established brand, it's like podcast listeners, I've spent the last three years growing that out. The blog, I've been growing that out for six years. Now to start all over from zero. Yeah. However, I do think that YouTube offers a new audience that haven't heard about me, haven't heard about my strategies. So I'm missing out on prime, you know, this prime real estate to be in front of folks. So coming soon, coming soon. (laughs) Do it, do it. How about by the time my podcast launches, you will have at least a strategy in place. So what you, you listeners, we are actually recording this as video. If you are a video person, if you prefer to consume audio video content instead of audio only, there's a YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash whatever site school. I'll figure it out. I'll put it in the show notes. We're doing that on purpose because a lot of the really good podcasters I listen to all said they wish they'd started YouTube on day one. And I am going to learn from all of that advice. So we have that here and Danielle's going to have it soon. Uh, okay. Wrapping it up. Do you have any final nuggets of well-earned wisdom for website owners that have no products or services right now to help them get started? Yes. I think that there is a misconception that you have to have huge numbers and huge traffic to make a income, make good income, quit your job. And like I said in the beginning of the episode, like my blog traffic is a little over 20, 25, depending. I mean, with the panini, I was blah, was really down. Uh, but there's a lot that could be done using your site as a launch pad. So don't only focus on the numbers, like your podcast numbers or your site numbers, because you are still bringing in people to your orbit. And now it's your chance to be able to market other things that you're doing or use it as a portfolio. So don't let your small numbers hold you back. It could be a really big asset for you. Absolutely. I love that you call it the panini, by the way. That's like <laughs> the way to get around every algorithmic thing that slaps a big banner on you for oh talking gosh. about it. Hey, guess what? That doesn't happen in podcasts. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Uh, yes. I don't even know. It might happen on YouTube. I don't know. I don't, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, but we, uh, you said it, not me. And you said panini, so it doesn't matter. Okay. So thank you so much for joining me, Danielle. Thanks for being my first guest. And remind everybody where they can find you, your website, any social media, and then anything else you want to promote it, you want to let people know you offer it, drop it in here. Let's let everybody know. Yes. Again, thank you, Valerie, for having me. This is going to be so exciting for the podcast to come out and for me to hear future episodes with all your awesome guests. You can connect with me at thoughtcard.com 
Com. It's my affordable travel and personal finance blog, the Thought Card Podcast. We have over 90 episodes for you to listen to all about affordable travel, paying down debt, and building wealth. And if you are a podcaster looking for marketing help to really grow and monetize your podcast, reach out to me. I'm over at the the Danielle Desir on Instagram. I think that's the easiest. DM me, say, hey, I heard you on Site School. Would be interested in your podcast marketing services. Reach out to me. Would love to connect with you. Perfect. Thanks so much. And all that will be in the show notes uh, here in whatever your podcast player is. And as well, you can find more information about Danielle, links to all of the services, products she mentioned, her, everything, and then anything else I think that I want to promote in this one. Uh, find it at siteschool.co. And we'll wrap it up here. Thanks again, Danielle. Thank you. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Danielle. If you liked this episode, if you want more interviews, please head over to your podcast player now and make sure you hit subscribe so you get future episodes, as well as to leave me a rating and review. Those are super important for reaching new site owners like you and me who need more help growing their blogs, making more money from them. And uh, you can tell me if you like this interview, if you want more like them, if we want to get Danielle back. So again, thanks so much for joining me here on the Site School Podcast. I'll be back soon with even more knowledge to help you grow, learn, and earn from your sites.